now to confess this ministry makes two videos, one about a daughter and one about a son. I have three sons, so I chose to not play that one today. <laughs> so to all of those who have just daughters, Amber, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, it, it is a phase. It, it is. <clears throat> no, not my video. Will not cry. Um, it, it is a phase. This morning uh, was the first morning since I can really kind of put church memories together that my middle son was sitting in here because his last Sunday at Children's Church ended last week. And I know there's a lot of happy Children's Church workers because of that, but <laughs> I saw him in the service this morning because it's, it's a new phase. And we really believe that the phases are all important, all of them. And we want to, as a ministry, together be there for every one of them. Particularly when it comes to what this video strikes the chord of emotion towards are our kids. Um, I, I really believe that our heart as a, as a church, as a body of Christ together, um, is, is to love our kids well. And there's no greater way to love our kids well as a church than to disciple them. To teach them really functionally what it means not just to believe in Jesus but to really, really, really live for Him in every decision that they can make. Um, as a church, one of the things that I can appreciate most about Reedy Fork is, is that our heart is to do the very best, and, and our heart is so aimed at that that we're just simply okay with realizing where we could do things better. And I'm asking you, because one of the things that I really know that we can do better in is the time that we have on Sunday morning. Uh, we, we just quite simply need some people um, in some rooms to open doors, to provide environments that we can do even better discipleship than we've ever, ever done. Because you'll be in there and you'll be loving them. The curriculum that we have in our children's church, the Gospel Project, I love this curriculum. None's perfect, but I love this one. Um, has some really amazing age-appropriate um, lessons and prayer time and 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 activities and many different things, even much younger than we're doing it. And we're going to implement that in there. But to implement that in there, we need to be able to do that with an age of kids that we also need people to say, oh, you know what, in this other room, we're going to pour in as well to these young, young kids, even call them babies. And we're going to hold them and we're going to be there and we're going to allow this other room to really do even more than it's ever done. But we have a gap between the number of people that we have in there and, and ready now and, and the one that we will need. Um, so I'm just telling you, warning you, I don't know really why you want to categorize this, but, but, but we need help. Um, we're going to be coming to you. Um, we'd rather you meet us on the journey, meet us on the road, and say, hey, yes, I will. Um, we, but we need people. Uh, we'll need people to do a little bit more leading than um, just being in the room. At least one person uh, would really help to just kind of bring along as part of the team. Um, but this is important because we don't want to wake up one Sunday morning and see those kids go from fifth to sixth and go, oh, man, that phase is over. We don't want to see them start walking around and go, oh, man, that phase is over. We want to be there for each one of them. So be there with us. Um, we, we need some people to come in there um, with excitement. We're going to have a leader meeting on the 8th of September at 2 o'clock, 
to, to give you some really needed information. This information will help you feel much more successful and ready every time that you walk in the door. Uh, you won't have to change your whole schedule, uh, but it'll take a little bit of prep time before, the week before, showing up on time the week of, and being there for one of our services on Sunday. Uh, we really believe that there's enough people here at our church that we, we don't have a people need, we just have a placement need. Um, what would be great would be for you to maintain your comfortable part in this service, but just show up at the one before and serve in there. Um, so please come in, especially, especially, we're aiming this target at our nursery age and then the class that is above that. We know in the future we're going to grow and we're going to need to create a room that will just be preschool, pre-K that will really connect the ages between where we're going to have it now and kind of carve out an age there and just before that we, they begin school. We're not quite there yet. We want to be there, but we want to make sure that we take the intentional steps um, that we need to be. Okay? We want to create safe environments, welcoming environments for people to come in, trust us with their kids, and allow them to come in and worship and just have a great time. But on this idea of phases, uh, this is the first Sunday that some of our students are um, going from being in uh, our children's church to our middle school that's happening right now. Ignite uh, starts during this service out in a, one of the rooms off the lobby. Uh, we know that there's a lot of parents who have um, already or are getting already to send their kids off to that wonderful thing called kindergarten. We have new high schoolers, those that were meeting in on Sunday mornings, our middle school room that are now not because they're starting ninth grade. I've seen the faces of parents. I had to apologize to Elizabeth for the daughter video because she just moved her daughter into UNCW a couple weeks ago. We know we have parents that are moving their kids in at college and, and, and doing all that stuff for the first time. So this morning as a church family, we want to do something. I want you to help me out with this. In a second, I'm going to ask for some specific phases um, to stand up. And those are this. If you are a teacher, staff member at a school, I've talked to probably more teachers this year who have said they've had less time than ever to prepare what they need to to get ready. But if you are a teacher of, of, any, of any level, anything in the school system, if you'll stand up, if you are a parent of specifically a kindergartner this year, we would like for you to stand up. Um, if you are a parent of a child that is going from fifth to sixth grade, we would like for you to stand up. And if you're a parent of a new ninth grader or a parent of someone that has started college, We'd like for you to stand up. If you will, please stand up at this time. Um, as these folks are standing, this is what we would like to do. As, as a church family, you don't have to know these folks. We just want you, in just a second, to stand up and circle around them. Circle around them. And, and when you do that, we're going to just catch a name. We're going to give you about 20 seconds to catch the name of the person that you are going to walk away from here praying for. Because these are specific phases, real serious major change phases, and we want to take some time just to really pray over these needs. So if you will, please, if you're sitting down, if you don't know them, that's okay. If you'll just surround them, be somewhere near one of these families, if you don't mind. If you moved your child into college for the first time, and we want you up, and we want you to be able to be prayed with and prayed over. Um, so move towards one of these groups. Um, circle around some people that you see you have already seen standing up. And for the next about 20 seconds, the next about 20 seconds, if you would... Catch the name of the person that you will be praying for, please.
All right, I'm going to pray for us kind of representatively. You feel free to pray out loud now at this time if you want to or silently in your head and your hearts. But we just want to spend some time praying over these specific phases that we know are going on right now. God, thank you so much for your glory. Thank you for your presence. God, we pray for staff members and teachers that are here within our church and outside the walls of our church. Uh, Lord, give them favor in their schools with their students on days where their patience will be more than well-tested. God, we pray that you will give them something and anoint them with something that will allow them to show the love of Christ when, when they are in a very frustrating moment. We pray that you give them time during their day to get work done that is needed. We, give you, we ask that you give them grace that at the end of their day, when it comes time to close the workbook and go home to open up the book of life at home, we pray that you give them grace and, and mercy that they will need to have the courage to go do that without feeling guilty about what they're not doing at home or what they're not doing at school. We ask that you give them um, an openness about their personality so when their coworkers, when staff around them um, is going through difficult times of life, Lord, that you will um, grace them with the opportunity to be the voice and the light of Jesus into those situations. God, we pray for these little ones that we have within our church that are starting kindergarten. Lord, and as their minds are wide open, as they walk into a classroom, Lord, for the first time to begin this career of education, God, we know they are so ready to receive, so we ask that you guard their hearts of what is poured into them. We ask that, that, that voices of love and encouragement surround them, that even the beginnings of lifelong relationships, Lord, will be the right people at the right time. Lord, help their minds embrace knowledge, knowledge that you give us and you allow us to have. But Lord, help it to be clearly seen in light of the truth of your word and what you say about this planet and who we are as your people. God, we pray for those that are going into middle school. We realize that middle school now is far different than what most of us ever lived during those ages of our life. So God, at this moment, Lord, help what they have grown in and what they know to be true be the conviction and the belief of their heart. Lord, help them as they walk into these middle school environments bravely and with great courage to choose. Choose truth. Choose friends. Choose words. Choose everything, Lord, that's consistent with your gospel and who you are and who you want us to be. Lord, we pray that you guard the hearts and the lives of our high school students. In these first few days, in these first few weeks of the freshman year for many of these students, God, we ask that you implant in their heart the, the value of these years, the weight and the burden of these years, but also, God, the joy that can come from these years. Lord, we pray that they, they walk in liberty and not in heaviness of baggage and mistakes. Lord, we ask that you surround them with friends that will influence well and that they will be able to influence with the call, for the cause of Christ. For our college students that have some moved away and some staying here, Lord, we ask for the grace and the mercy that they will need and as they really open their mind to that they are more independent now than they've ever been. Lord, help them appreciate and show appreciation for those that they now see have done so much. Lord, help them to be voices on their campus for truth, for love, for grace, and for wisdom. Help them not to be shy about what they believe, but help them to grow in it to the point that it becomes not just the conviction of their heart, but the voice and the words that are on their tongue. Lord, help them through these years where so many relationships will be new and will be changed. God, guard their hearts, guard their lives for the future that you're calling them to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you return to your seats, please? Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to pray uh, with the people that are around you. Pray over some of these needs. Um, thank you so much. If you um, have a student, if you have someone that you weren't necessarily um, able to voice, please let us know before you leave. And also, parents, please help us out. Please, 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 staff, everybody, make sure you write your name down, write details down 
so we can match you with somebody um, to pray for you. And also, will you please show up today uh, between 5 and 6, somewhere in there, uh, to be able to do that today and do that for the rest of this upcoming year. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 40 today. Um, Psalms chapter 40 is a phenomenal psalm to really just stand in, walk around in, and, and almost just roll around in. It's a phenomenal opportunity to hear the voice of David. I believe that God has led us to this psalm at this point in this series we've been in called Cloudy with a Chance. We've been talking about this idea that there are seasons in life where some of us deal strictly just plainly with depression. Uh, maybe some of us call it sadness or anxiety, but we go through seasons in life that are difficult. Maybe we would call them dark. But I really believe and I hope from the truth of Scripture you've seen in these first two messages that, that God's grace is real and His mercy is real and His truth for you has a voice and has a purpose and a direction for your life. If you haven't caught both of the first two messages, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them and, and, and get some of those notes. Um, in between those two is a message that if you missed it too, go back and listen to that Dale shared with our church a few weeks ago as well. Um, and and you'll, you'll gain great blessing from, from doing that, I trust. Today, um, we want to be in the conversation of action steps. What can we do? Uh, I believe God's led us to this passage for this reason, that David was a real person. And God's Word, in amazing ways, takes God's inspiration and His purpose and, 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 and just goes in and grabs a life and brings that life to the forefront and says, look at this. Does this sound familiar? Have you, ever, have you ever gone through something like this? And here's what you can learn by looking at this and knowing what this is like. Uh, so as we're in this psalm today, I pray um, that you'll get something from it. Um, while everyone's struggle is different, while the people you love that struggle are different, um, we're not going to have quite as many notes today as we've had over the past couple weeks. Um, we really want you to use today, I want you to use today as a day that you just hear God's word speak directly to you about where you are and where those around you that you love so much are um, as well. So we're going to be in Psalms uh, 40 this morning. Verse 1 is such an incredible start to this psalm. We're going to read just uh, initially the first three verses. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and they will trust in the Lord. You know, the kind of the victorious statement that comes out of this first introduction to this psalm, as David just is first writing this song that's coming from his heart, is, is clearly the victory, right? It's, it's this idea, it's this truth that as David felt like many of us have felt in life, he felt like he was just sunk down in this, this muck, this mire, this, this, this mud, this clay. He felt like he was just sinking in it. And, and the way that he talks about it, maybe you felt like this before, it, it was as if as he was sinking down, he kept, he kept trying to put his foot on something that he could push off of. It was firm enough that he could push off of it to raise himself up, to get a better gasp of air, to get a little bit outside of it. But no matter where he seemed to step, his foot just continued to push through, and he just felt like he was sinking. And the great victory, the great truth is, is that God, in his sinking, specifically took action, that he reached and he picked him up. He brought him out of what he couldn't get out of himself. And when God brought him out, it, it, was, it was distinctive. Because some things happen when it's really the work of God. Notice what really was distinctive about the victory that God brings in our lives. One, it says we don't, just, we don't just come out. It says that he set him 
on a rock, making his steps secure. In other words, he, he made sure that he landed with sound footing. God didn't want David just to realize what difficulty felt like. He wanted him to know what security felt like. He wanted him to learn what was it like for God to bring me out of this to the point that my feet are on something solid. And, and when he would learn that, it doesn't mean that he would never run into another difficult situation. He knew the truth that his feet could be on something solid. And they weren't just on where his feet was. It was also the voice and the, and the, and the truth that was in his heart. He said, he put a new song in my mouth. His, his words changed. It, it's a song. It's a celebration. His joy all of a sudden was there, and it hadn't been there before. And this really is the victory that we really want for ourselves and for the people that we love. But the victory stands on the weight of the very first verse that we read. And it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He turned to me and heard my cry for help. To wait is a difficult thing. I mean, really to, to wrestle with it. Because when we say wait, we most of the time just think that we just got to sit still. We just do nothing. And that's how dark seasons in life make us feel. When we think of this word wait, it's almost kind of like we just want to shut down. We want to stay in bed. We don't want to get out. We don't want to start the day. We, we, we want to we wanna kind of just bunker down. Or if you're waiting on something, you just say, okay, well, I, I just can't do anything until it happens, until whatever it is that arrives. But David's very specific. He says, I waited patiently. And so there was, there was a method to his waiting. If you ever look at the time in David's life between when he was anointed and called to be king and when he actually became king, we got a lot of years there. And David went to work every day. He traveled. He saw family. He visited them. He, he spoke publicly. He did a lot of different things. And all of them not joyable. But what David did was patient waiting. He lived his life faithfully while waiting on what was still to come. That's what waiting patiently is. What is waiting patiently when you really don't have joy in your life? It's living with trust, the best trust that you can live in, that God has given you, that He will bring joy even though you don't have it on that day. And there's a truth to what da how David frames this. It's very important, I believe, for us. Notice how he talks about his waiting patiently. He says, I waited patiently on the Lord, and then he turned to me. And, and here's clearly, I, I believe this is how David's communicating that he really felt in his heart. God, I feel like in some way we were in this conversation, this one-on-one -on -one intimate moment, and, and for some reason you seem to kind of have turned your back on me and crossed your arms. You ever, you ever been in that season? Maybe somebody didn't literally do that to you. Maybe they did literally do that to you. Maybe that's the person beside you. If that was them this morning, just again, blink at me. And let me know that you're in trouble and we'll talk after the service. But um, if, if, if you've ever felt like that, spiritually he felt like that with God. It's like God turned from him and had his back. But, but notice, even in that, what is David really at a, at a core belief level saying? That even though it seemed dark and God's back may have seemed turned, he was there. And that was essential for David to believe. And it's essential for you and I to believe in dark seasons. Because... There's a difference between being scared of the dark and dealing with the dark. Uh, there's different times in life where different ones of my sons haven't been excited at night when I said, hey, why don't you go out to the car and get this for me? Because there's no lights at my house in the dark, right? Like when you go outside, you just got to deal with the darkness. 
And some of them would just, you know, sometimes it was, well, does anybody have a flashlight? Well, what kind of flashlight do you need? Uh, like a, a car light? A beacon? A lighthouse? Does somebody have something? And, and when there was no light, you know, you know what it was when they, were, when they were younger? It was start at the door and just dead sprint, fast as you could. Get what you had to get and get back. Which is the worst plan in all the world because typically sprinting in the absolute dark doesn't go well. One year at our kids' camp, our counselors, because they were just having a blast, decided to attack each other with water balloons at night. The men's cabin and the women's cabin, just like this barrage of water balloons started going off as we're walking down the path as directors just watching it, laughing. And, and one guy, in the process of just the barrage, in the dark, goes into dead sprint mode. Grown man. See, there's this gravel path that had these railroad ties that lined it. Yeah, you know where I'm going. He just booted it. I mean, full speed, both feet hung on the railroad tie, slid about 10 feet across gravel. It's his own fault, honestly. Good things don't happen when our fearful reactions take over us in the dark. And God knows that to be true. That's why he wants us sure about his presence even when it seems dark. I want to read something to you. Um, a pastor named Richard Baxter wrote this. And he used different scriptures and kind of brought them together in this way. So there's several different scripture references I'm going to read to you. Um, and, and this kind of fits within one long statement. He says this, The witness of the Holy Spirit that we are the children of God is in Romans 8.16. And that verse may seem clear or faint, but the reality is unshakable. And God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal, the seal of our relationship with Him. The Lord knows who we are and that we belong to Him. 2 Timothy 2.19 God is faithful by whom you are called. 1 Corinthians 1.9 And that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 In other words, from the day that we get saved, we functionally, specifically, are never actually alone and that's an important truth to remember because again remember the truth the battleground of our thoughts are where we really need to be waging war ourselves in dark seasons and helping others wage that war in dark seasons as well because when we fight feelings there's a lot of casualties in that war in that battle but when we go into the deep area of thoughts and thoughts are renewed and those take control then all of a sudden feelings have to fall victim to what those thoughts and beliefs are so this, the truth that we are never alone, is great in these times. David also says this, How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord my God, you have done many things. Your wondrous works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them they are more than can be told. You see where David's heart is going in this? He's realizing coming out of a time where he felt like he was sunk so low, you know what he saw value in? Two really key points. Number one, the people that we connect to in our life have effect. David realized, he said, listen, I am much better off trusting in the Lord and not turning to people who just out of their own pride are going to give me their opinion. I'm better off trusting in the Lord 
than, than going after people who are clearly wrong in what they're doing and what they're communicating. And out of that, he also realized this, that, that his own voice, his own language needed to change. The song of his heart, the, the, the words from his mouth needed to change. He said, listen, he said, I began simply talking about God, what you've done, and that nobody can compare with you. And as he, as he set his conversation on that, his thankfulness took over. You know, thankfulness becomes contagious in our own soul. The conversations that we spend time on become contagious in our own soul. Have you ever noticed that? You ever been in the middle of the, ro- the roller coaster conversation? Something's happened, and, and you or I, we just start talking about it. And in the conversation of just talking about it, it's like this first plunge, like, oh my gosh, this is awful. And then here we come out of it, and we try to figure out something that makes sense, only to then it just goes into some weird, weird barrel roll that we're not ready for, and it just never seems to resolve in this, David just simply says, I, I have to get off that ride. I have to change my conversation. Because David never says that someone fixed what they were doing. He just said, it was a safer conversation to me to God just start talking about what you're doing instead of what they're doing. He found more joy in that. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, see, I have come in the scroll. It is written about me. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. In in verse 6, and I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but I think it is worth thinking about, especially if you find yourself in a dark season with a cloud over you, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, dealing with worry. I want you to hear this this morning. God would rather open your mind to be able to talk to you and that's more important to Him than us coming in and singing a song to Him just because the song is being sung. Because God sees and He knows what we need. And it genuinely really is truthfully safer for us to have open ears and be able to receive God's truth than for us to just go through the pattern of singing a song to Him because we think all... Just it, ultimately those words are just going to take over what I really believe. We need to be open. We need to be able to receive really the truth of what God says. And then after that, there's this incredible truth and, and this really tough thing to deal with where he says, I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. Have you ever been at the place in life where you just didn't want to do maybe anything? Like it was like whatever you were dealing with is tough and, and, and you're just, alarm clock goes off and you just go, I, I'm a grown up and I can, just, I can just simply call into work and I can send a text message, I can do something and I can just stop my day right here and I can just stay covered up, buried down, hunkered in here. That's a, that's a real place. You ever looked at a situation and just said, you know what, I'm just, I'm just not going to talk to that person. I'm just going to stay silent. Because I just, I give up. You ever just had such a heaviness about you that you just, you didn't even want to move. You just, you just found yourself sitting somewhere and kind of lost track of time only to realize I've just been sitting here for hours and hours and hours. Because I just don't, I don't have anything within me that wants to move. See, this is a tough place in Scripture because Scripture's clear. God calls us. He calls us to desire and delight in Him. 
And desire and delight are a little bit different if you just split them up. Desire is, is that I'm looking forward to something. I, I'm, I'm anticipating something. Delight is I'm enjoying it while I experience it. Now, to me, that sounds like a lunchtime conversation. I can deal with any conversation that you want to have. Now, if you tell me on a scale of 1 to 10, 10, you know, 10 is the worst news in the world and 1 is the best news and it's going to make me extremely happy, if you tell me that our conversation is going to be a 10, I'm simply going to start choosing somewhere that I really love to eat. Because if we're really going to deal with a tough problem, we might as well enjoy the food. Now, if the day's busy and you're like, hey, this is going to be great news, but it's just going to be really quick, we're just going to grab something a little bit faster to eat. I'm going to enjoy it, but we're going to move on, right? Because we have this thing inside of us to where we know what it is to delight. We know what it is to experience something that we enjoy. Or at least if something else is going on that's not pleasant, we can, we can find something to anticipate. We know the difference between desire and delight. And the Bible tells us to do these things. And, and I want you to hear kind of the framework that the Bible talks about. It, the Bible really touches an area area of life, and it says not just to do them, but, but to have joy connected with them. When the Bible talks about just our existence, in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5.16, it says rejoice always. It doesn't put limits on the time. It says rejoice always. When we think about how we're supposed to give, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, says we're supposed to, um, it says that God specifically loves a cheerful giver. When it talks about our serving, our, our functioning within the kingdom, Psalms 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Mercy, we're supposed to show mercy to people with cheerfulness, Romans 12, 8. And when it comes to actually going through difficult seasons of life, tough, rough times, Tests, trials, difficult things. James 1-2 says to count them all joy. So what do we do when we don't feel it, when we don't anticipate it, when we're not excited about it? For a Christian, it's much safer as we really go into the thoughts of our mind to work on delighting in the Lord and then discovering and having God awaken us to the desire for the Lord. Uh, let me use this example. Uh, if you have two spouses that are sitting down in counseling and, and they're just angry, there's no desire for each other. Many counselors will talk about the specific things you can do and the choices you can make to enjoy the moments and be present in that relationship. And then out of that comes this awakened desire again for that person as your spouse. You can connect that spiritually in our walk with Jesus as well. To the best that we can, as we do for others and as we serve the Lord, to ask God, God, help me find delight in this. Let me choose to just, God, think about who you are, what you've done for me. So as I do this, I want, I want to do this in joy of who you are. Let me just anchor to a truth while I give this. God, let me just think about how much you've provided for me while I give this one thing to you and just find joy in that moment. And when that moment passes, let me have been faithful to rejoice in it. It's choosing those ways to find joy so as desire is awakened in us, we'll experience that as God helps us with it. It says, I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me 
For troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I am unable to see. There are more than the ha- they are more than the hairs on my head, and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled because of their shame. Let all those, let those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say the Lord is great. I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. The simple advice for those of us that go through times of darkness and for those of others that are loving people through those times of darkness, today is one simple thing. Fight. Fight. Fight for yourself. Fight for the joy that God has out there for you. Fight based on who you are in Him. Fight for others because they can't seem to find it themselves and you may be who God is using to pour into their lives. If you notice just the sound of this psalm, David is an artist. He's a songwriter. And and as he's writing this, it seems to go back and forth. It's almost like, why is he writing about both sides of this? And, and, And you know what we can't be sure of? We can't be sure that he's not writing about both sides. He may be writing one continuous song through the episodes of life. In other words, he may be gaining victory in one moment. It feels like he's being rescued out of this absolute pit of misery. And then in the very next moment, some bonehead walks up to him and says something that totally offends him. Then there's an attack from outside the kingdom, outside of God's people. And then maybe a voice from even within God's people that comes up to cause a problem, cause division. And within all of this, he's having to say, God, I need the battle of my thoughts won. I feel the heaviness. I feel the darkness. I need your rescue. God, don't delay. Be here. Be here now. David is fighting for joy because joy is worth fighting for. Because he has resolved himself on a couple of key things. One, that he is never alone. And two, that there is something he can do. In the moment, there is an action to take. And in that action, if he will rise himself up and look for joy in it, it will be something, a seed planted that God has started. Sometimes it's hard, right? Just when you're at home, and you seem like you got more screaming kids than you have patience or time. When you're facing somebody that's in a relationship and you just, you don't have it right now. When you're at work and it's just, it's the same story for the last 10 years and no one seems to see the obvious problems that you see so clearly. It just seems to be evident. Those are two of the truths that allowed David many times within his life to find his feet solid and to find joy in moments and then have desire awakened. Fight. Fight. Would you bow your heads for a second? I can show you in Scripture over and over and over again, and I can try to say it as passionately as I can, that you are worth fighting for. God has waged a major major battle over the sin that keeps us captive. And in that battle, He's given His Son to win. And we know He wins. We believe in His victory. And if that is the win, if that is the victory that we could not attain ourselves, then surely 
Every victory, as the Word tells us, is possible because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And when God communicates clearly that He wants to give us His joy and He wants to complete us in that way, then the truth that we live in, the truth that we live in, is that in His greatness, there is joy that will overshadow my darkness. And it took me a long time to realize that my actions and my words and my opinions and my moods were actually stating that God is a liar. Did you hear that? Because that's what happens when we're confronted with the truth of God. Now, within this series, I've been very clear. There is the physical side of what God gives us wisdom to to approach in counseling and through medication. I'm never saying that God can't use that to, to address physical issues in our lives. But where there is spiritual war, where there is spiritual gain to be made, that happens through God's grace and His working in our lives. That's what we need to walk in and trust in and lean on. Using all things He puts at our disposal for His will. My prayer for you is that you've been encouraged through these weeks and that you see people that are in need and you know that the fight is worth it for them as well, even though honestly sometimes if we just said what we think, we get tired. That's okay. You're not failing. God is working. As I pray now, we're going to sing just for a moment in joy and truth. If there's something you'd like to pray over, we'd like to pray with you. Most weeks, we just simply present the story of Jesus, that you can know God because of what Jesus has done. Did you hear that? You can, you can know God. You can be in relationship with Him. Salvation. We have people check that on a card, but we want to celebrate it. We don't, we, don't, we don't post numbers everywhere, but we want to dive deeply into people growing that are saved. Please don't ever not tell me, tell someone here at the church that you've given your life to Christ so that we can grow together. God, help us in these moments to celebrate the truth, God, of who you are. Help us to know you, Lord. Help us to seek you and find you. Give us the courage, God, because you promised we will find you if we seek you. So, Lord, help us to look in the right places, to think the right truth. Lord, we're so thankful for what you do in our lives. As we sink now, God, we pray that you give us grace, grace that we don't have on our own to be happy and joyful. Because, God, we need you to complete it. Lord, thank you for this this psalm of David and the honesty of his life. That we can learn from it. We can hold on to it. And we can see the details of our lives, up, down, back, and forth played out for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?